Hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. Get ready to hear from your favourite Instagram gardeners, allotmenteers, flower farmers and plant gurus on season five of the podcast. We'll be hearing about people's stories on how they discovered the joy of gardening, learning about their growing spaces and of course hearing about their biggest achievements and fabulous fails. I hope you enjoy listening to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants just as much as we enjoy recording. And if you do, then please do leave us a review because it helps get the word out to more planty people. This season is sponsored by Akai Outdoorwear, which if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that barely a day goes by that I'm not dressed head to toe and the first and only clothing brand specifically for women designed by women. Founder and creative director Kasha Bromley says, women deserve clothing that makes them feel great and performs to enhance their confidence. Women shouldn't have to compromise on their sense of style to wear appropriate clothing in the great outdoors, which is why Akai's female team have first-hand experience of what it's like to be a woman in the outdoors and design with these needs in mind. High-performance, stylish clothing which fits perfectly. If you're keen to get some Akai garments for yourself, They've kindly offered podcast listeners an exclusive discount, so head to the website and use code DOALG20 for 20% off your orders over £50. This offer ends on the 31st of May 2023. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of chatting to James of Stem and Green, who made the career swap from being a TV producer to growing and selling sustainable British blooms with a small team in Hampshire. I personally found this chat to be so helpful in figuring out what I wanted for my own business. Plus, hearing James talk about his planning methods honestly made my heart sing. Excel spreadsheet lovers, this one's for you. But don't worry if you're not the planning type because there are so many other brilliant business takeaways and inspiring segments to be had in this episode. Hearing the story of two growing seasons and the start of a flowery empire, which I for one am incredibly excited to see expand in the coming months and years. Enjoy! Good morning, James. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Shannon. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, a bit cold. We're in the middle of this uh, mad uh, icy patch at the moment. But uh, yeah, really good. Thank you. Bit chilly, isn't it? I Did you have the it. snow yesterday? Do you know what? We never have really have snow here. I'm in Winchester and mm-hmm. we're in this funny little kind of bowl where we get warm air coming off the, uh, the, the, the Solent down by the Isle of Wight. And so mm-hmm. we rarely get snow here, which my kids oh, okay. hate. They're always, oh, how come everyone else gets snow and we don't get snow? But uh, no, we just get lots of frost and beautiful icy conditions. But, oh, yeah. wow. So we're on the coast. We get barely get snow here as well. But where the, my farm is, as I drove closer and closer to the farm, I was like, these roads are very icy. I actually had a little slip on the road yesterday. I oh, no. just had, had a little flashback. Um, for about 100 metres, I was just coasting and I was like, ah! But so you don't get it so you, much here. Have you worked out your temperature down at the farm? How low is it going? Um, at the moment, I don't know for definite because my thermometer is broken. I think it the, when it was really, really hard frost before, it went down to about minus seven. Wow. Um, but in the days, it's about four or five at the minute. So okay, so that's we'll good. see. That's we'll good. see. Yeah, yeah. I'm in a really icy spot where my field is, so we get kind of minus tens and stuff. It's, oh, um, minus ten. <laughs> I know. So my poor little plants. Bless them. So. <laughs> yeah. Talking of plants, I would love to hear the full story of how you found a love for growing. Yeah, that's a good question. So I, um, I for, for 15 years was a TV producer. Uh, I um, wanted to work in TV. I love TV. But 
I do you know what I ended up graduating towards uh, is that the right word um sort of going towards more kind of planty programs I ended up just sort of you know clearly had a sort of a, a subconscious passion for being outdoors so I ended up working on several kind of farming programs and then ended up doing gardening programs and working with Sarah Raven and Monty Don and James Wong and doing Chelsea and you know I just loved being around um that lot and it was just great fun you know always being around plants and uh um I always sort of had a little veg patch and grew flowers and um but never took it seriously and then lockdown happened all my work kind of dried up everything got cancelled and just had the best year just um just kind of properly gardening I thought actually this is nicer than uh you know going filming other people gardening it's so mm-hmm. nice to do it ourselves so I just sort of thought how can I make a living out of uh, you know, doing it myself. So that's where I kind of, but it was just, you know what, I cannot put my finger on how we ended up becoming a flower farmer. It was sort of a, you know, I don't know, I think I sort of just thought one minute I just woke up and did it. It was not a kind of a, a long dream. I didn't even know flower farmers existed, I think about six months beforehand. So it was just a sort of a, yeah, let's give it a go. So it's, uh, but love it. It's um, way better than getting up at, you know 5 a.m to run off to London (laughs) that's such a fab story and completely unique I've definitely never heard anyone else who said oh such producing you know farm farm and gardening tv programs and then slowly my interest grew (laughs) yeah do you know what I just think I I clearly you know I've obviously loved that world and you know I've I've, I just love being around gardens and flowers and you know I, I just think that you know from it just I mean you know what what beats being outdoors fresh air around really stunningly beautiful things you know I think gardening's an incredible you know a healer for mental health and you know it's just uh yeah so I think um you know it's clearly even without realizing it I was just sort of subconsciously drawn into that world and uh and I think you, you start to work on one garden program and then you start to work on another one and it, it sort of it grew yeah. yeah I think it's such a positive environment as well like plants give you that real sense of hope of even when things seem like they're terrible the plants are growing and something beautiful is popping out and you just get that little bit of excitement from each and everything you see that's a bit new and a bit different even like with dahlias when you have a dahlia that starts producing flowers and the first one is like we'll take cafe au lait because it's just the one that pops off rolls off the tongue but like the first one might be a really creamy color the second one might be like a, have a lot more pastel pinks in the middle and the third one might be a bit more like caramelly and you never know what you're going to get next but it's always exciting to see the the different sizes and the different shapes and the kind of ornate patterns that come through the different plants so totally I mean you, you just every day is different you go out in the garden if I go out today everything's covered in frost and sparkly you know tomorrow we'll have uh, sort of snowdrops popping out and just every day is different there's just so much to see also the gardening world everyone's so lovely you know especially when I was sort of going around with um you know filming gardeners and garden experts it's such a a lovely world of nice people and everyone's friendly and you know it's yeah you can't beat that well definitely we talk about this all the time but it's that people always said that Instagram was a really toxic place and as soon as I found in like gardening Instagram I was like these are the nicest people on the planet who have come together in this little hub of community and everyone's so keen to send you seeds and to give you advice to help you out to stop you from making mistakes that they've made and it's just that real kind of community spirit of they were all as excited for you to succeed as you are for you to succeed 
Oh, completely. I've never met. It's such a nice world. I mean, I, I was, I don't know if I was busy or old or something, but I was never like a social media person. I've never been, you know, big on Instagram or big on Facebook. And then during lockdown, I just sort of thought, well, I'm going to start documenting what I'm doing in the garden. So I just started taking pictures. Everyone was so nice. I couldn't believe it. All these amazing people coming out saying, I love your pictures. Love, love that. Love that. You're totally right. There's absolutely zero kind of negativity or toxicity. It's just a really positive environment. And everyone, as you said, everyone's sort of sending seeds and stuff. It's such a, a, a lovely environment, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. Yeah. So tell me more about STEM and Green. How long have you been running for? Because I can't quite get over how much you've achieved in a, a quite a short amount of time. <laughs> yeah. So we're about to start our third season as as growers. Uh, so let's if we sort of rewind. Uh, so so twenty twenty one is that lockdown year or is that twenty twenty? Uh, I keep getting twenty twenty was the first lockdown year. Yeah, year, so, but we okay, were so still 20... in restrictions in twenty. Yeah, so twenty twenty. I'm I'm busy. Uh, you know, take you back to twenty twenty. I'm busy just playing in my garden, enjoying just you know having my flower beds looking really neat. Had a, a really busy veg patch. Um, got to about October November. 2020 I thought right I'm gonna have a go at flower farming uh and so enrolled on the florette flower course um which started January 2021 uh and uh, and then around that same time I started talking to different people about how much land I'd need uh to grow flowers I was sort of my plan was just to use my veg patch which is actually really you know about a third of an allotment kind of thing really small patch and they were saying that you won't you barely have enough space to make one bouquet you know it would just sort of be kind of pointless so I was like okay well I'll find a field so I asked my neighbour and asked the next neighbour and just kept going down the road until I found someone who had uh, a paddock um, to, to rent me so yeah February 2021 took on this um, two acre paddock and started putting beds in and uh, obviously hadn't you know planted any autumn sown stuff you know this is all sort of uh, really last minute so so we started 2021 and um, it was a bit of a late start by the time, you know, because I didn't have any kind of biennials or um, early sown annuals. So really, we really got going by around June, July. And uh, and then there was this perfect storm where you had, um, everyone was coming out of lockdown. So there was all the weddings had been condensed into kind of June, July of 2021. Um, there was Brexit had just kicked in. So uh, lots of florists were having issues getting flowers uh, across the channel. Our local um, sort of Dutch um, supplier had like empty shelves for ages. So suddenly I had this little mad queue of, of kind of wedding florists wanting stuff. And suddenly I was just literally selling every stem, you know, straight away. So I started on three quarters of an acre, which I think even as a, in hindsight, I probably should have started something smaller. It was a lot, three quarters of an acre was a lot to kind of cope with uh, as a complete novice. Um, I'd just done the Florette course um, over the spring of, 2021 if no one's ever done it do it you learn so much that kind of big idea is they'll sort of get you ahead by about two or three years uh, oh, wow. and so um yeah so started 2021 um on three quarters of an acre loads of mistakes got made but also just met loads of florists loads of people kind of you know wanted flowers and um yeah it was just so we just started simply as a wholesale selling um you know cut stems to florists and then selling bouquets to customers so there was no kind of weddings no um extra stuff it was purely 
um, yeah, bouquets and uh, wholesale. And then that was 2021. Then last year, 2022, that was our last, second year. So we expanded the field to about um, one and a half acres of growing space and uh, just put in loads more perennials and just really invested in putting in shrubs that are going to you know, take away for a couple of years before we can touch them. And uh, yeah, so here we are, year three, just about to start. And uh, still, um, yeah, still feel like a complete novice and uh, still feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. But, uh, you know, it's the great thing about growing is, you know, you make a mistake and or something, you plant something in the wrong way or plant it too early or too late. You just go, right, I'll write this down. And then the following year, you can amend it. You know, it's this wonderful kind of cyclical world that we live in where, you know, everything is kind of correctable 12 months later. Absolutely. And I think that when you learn for yourself that mistake, that the amount of people that have told me things and then gone, I did tell you shouldn't have done that. And you're like, I, in hindsight, I remember you saying it to me, but until I have learned that for myself, now I'll remember that forever. I'll never forget it because I've had that failure of, oh, I should have listened, (laughs) should have listened harder. But once you've learned for yourself, I just think it's, it's kind of building your own knowledge. And also things work so differently in different spaces, like your growing space and my growing space could be completely different, even if they were next door. So it's that kind of you have to learn what's going to work for you and what's going to work for your space. And yeah, it's a, it's exciting, though, isn't it? Knowing that you're never going to be completed in the in the knowledge of growing flowers. And I'm happy to hear that you still feel like a novice three years in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I um, I live 10 minutes from my field. Um, but what I do in my garden is completely different to what I do in the field. I live um, a little bit higher up than where my field is. And, you know, I can still have dahlias in my garden, you know, into late November, whereas the frost would have hit them in September in um, my field. You know, it's just, re- you know, you really got to understand that microclimate of soil and wind and sun. And, you know, even even within a field, the top corner is going to behave differently to the bottom corner. And it's yeah. just learning, it's learning when when you plant out, when you hold back. Yeah, it's a really sort of delicate. So even even with a textbook in front of you, you've really got to sort of learn your own patch and how it how it adapts and how it behaves. It takes quite a long time as well to learn it. I've I've definitely learned a lot. I've only been on my field for maybe six months, but watching how the light falls at different times of the day, and actually there's certain patches that are in a lot more shade than I'd anticipated mm. originally. And patches that are wetter than other patches and there's just so much to learn and it's not something it's not an overnight success and gardening if it teaches you anything it teaches you patience (laughs) completely completely and uh, it's lovely you know I think we're too we're we're too much in this world now of having instant gardens so we can buy plants that are full you know full size but I think it's it's, something's lovely to grow from seed or buy it small and I've got some shrubs in the garden now that have sort of had a couple of years and I can't believe how they've gone from tiny little saplings to nice big healthy plants and uh, yeah it just takes things take time and the pride that you feel from things that you've either grown from a tiny plant or sown from seed when they turn into these beautiful blooms and plants that make up these beautiful bouquets I just think nothing matches it oh my goodness totally you're so right I think um you know to, to start with packet seed and then by sort of you know middle of the summer to have a whole acre of you know beautiful annuals in flower it's such a incredible kind of process to have seen it go through absolutely yeah so tell me a bit more about your team are you working on this solo or do you have um a team of people that are helping you yeah good question so 
I am. Um, when I was in TV, um, we were always very much. Uh, you learn to be part of a team. You learn to be part of kind of a small cog within a kind of a. You know, I could not have made um, the programs that I made without incredible cameramen, incredible sound people, incredible editors. You know, I I'm very much um, pro kind of bringing in like the best. You know, to sort of help. And so um, I I actually only still work part time at the moment. I also um, the rest of my time, I'm looking after my kids and being a stay-at-home dad. So I work part-time, and then I've got an incredible part-time grower who comes and helps me in the field. And then I've got um, an amazing florist who, um, who's who been a florist for, you know, decades and really knows her craft and can put a bouquet together in lightning speed. But, <laughs> you know, if I were, I'd, I'd be sort of still putting in the second stem by the time she's tied it and wrapped it. But... Uh, so, yeah, and then, um, you know, throughout the year, I might have different other people coming in. Last year, I had uh, a real sort of top uh, grower come, and actually, I, I was just running out of time to sow seeds. So I had someone come in and uh, do seeds, who was a, a professional gardener, who, you know, taught me so much as well. I was sort of, we were doing it together, and I was learning as well. So, um, yeah, so at the moment, there's three of us, uh, and uh, we're all part-timers. Uh, the kind of golden rule, roughly, is about uh, an acre should be a full-time job for one person, you know, five mm -hmm. days a week, um, to the nine to five should sort of, uh, and so, you know, I think sort of between three of us, we're just about looking up, we're just about kind of hitting that, that figure. So um, That's awesome. And I think as well, just having the support of working with other people. I know that when you start off on kind of your own business, you could, it can be quite a lonely a lonely task if you're doing it by yourself even though there's there's other people around you like your family and things um, it must be amazing to have that kind of real you're all invested 100% in making that work totally and I also think there's something kind of um, boosting about getting a big job done quickly uh, last week we were um, having this mad idea to leave all the dahlias in the ground uh, this year so we've left a thousand dahlias you know in their beds and so um, absolutely I think mean, Four beds. They're all about forty meters long. So they're what, what four times four. Um, all needed weeding, cutting back, uh, uh, and feeding and covering the straw. I mean, if I'd done that on my own, it would have taken about two weeks. You know, I'd have been so demoralised that I yeah. got to the end of it. But all three of us did it over three days, and we just sort of bashed it out. And it's, I think, it's so much more uh, rewarding to just um, knock off those really big jobs with a a team so um i totally think uh yeah i think having people around i mean there's days i love going down there on a sunday when it's quiet i just put my headphones in listen to a podcast and uh just sort of weed on my own i think it's really uh, meditative but there mm. are other days when you've got a big floral order coming in for a we uh, wedding thousands of stems to cut so it's nice to just get you know four or five people down there and just sort of you know do it quickly and you feel like a real sense of success that you've you've knocked it off so i'm a real believer in collaborating um bringing in people who are experts uh bringing in you know i mean i've, I've also had amazing consultations with um cell from forever green uh, flowers you know i've sort of um really wanted to learn from the best and uh and i, I don't think we should shy away as growers uh from kind of um bringing in consultants bringing in experts in those fields um and uh yeah and, and learning and, and and being far more kind of collaborative yeah 
Absolutely. Well, as they say, teamwork makes the dream work. And in exactly. your case, it sounds like it certainly yeah. does. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be hopeless if I was on my own. You know, I, I just think there's so much. Um, we used to sort of say in, in TV, you know, if you think of sort of um, there was this big movement um, in TV getting uh, producers and directors to film everything themselves. Budgets were getting squashed. But, you know, if my brain, if, if as a producer or something, if you, you're, you know, 100% of my brain is normally um, committed to like the, the narrative and the story and directing. But if then half my brain is on, or a third of my brain is on pictures, a third of my brain is on sound, every, you know, it's going to fall apart somewhere. So uh, I think it's, um, yeah, it's far better to bring in, you know, have someone who's an incredible florist, having real people who are specialist growers, you know, and I can focus on. Um, building the business and selling and uh, and promoting ourselves uh, but yeah no it's uh, I think as you said team makes the dream work other way around dream. teamwork makes makes the teamwork dream. makes <laughs> is that right <laughs> you've lost me yeah um I think that that's a really good lesson to take away as well because especially in today's kind of culture it's very much that like you you have to do it for you and do it yourself and do everything and do everything you possibly can and do everything perfectly and snatch your goals um so it's quite refreshing to hear someone saying that actually it's okay to spread it out and to have those people coming in to assist in the, I guess almost the areas where you don't have that big skill set and you can go okay that's great I don't need to build that skill set in record time and not be able to do it as well as someone who's been doing it for their whole life Totally. I mean, there are people who, you know, just take propagation, um, for example, you know, taking cuttings, sowing seeds, uh, bringing on seedlings. There's so much um, to know about that uh, world. You know, it's a full time job in itself or not, not a full time job, but in a full time skill. You know, mm. there are, you know, if you go to big, big nurseries, that, that there'll be people who just do that and they understand the intricacies of each uh, variety of uh, each seed on different you know mixes you know and it's it's we are you know actually being these sort of I mean it's lovely being a, a grower grower florist but you've got to have so many skill sets mm. you've got to know all about shrubs you've got to know about perennials you've got to know about every perennial you know each of our perennials has a different need uh, a, a different um, you know a different growing environment a different pruning regime and to to be to have your head full of how to, how to sow it, how to grow it, how to prune it, how to arrange it. Um, and then you get onto the technical stuff of understanding how irrigation works, how tra- how to fix the tractor when it's broken, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, plumbing. You just sort of, it is a, you know, uh, it just fills your head. And so actually, if you can sort of completely split things off, I mean, I'd love it. So one, one day when we're big enough, you know, I'd love to have a sort of full-time um, uh, someone in the prop house just working on uh, propagation and seeds and cuttings and that can be their speciality they can really own it and love it and and have their own little sort of world and uh, you know we have we can even have a, a rose expert just uh, looking after the roses you know and uh, you know it's, I mean if you look at a big business that's how you do it you have your marketing and your sales and your finance you know it's crazy that um, I mean it's lovely this world of of a flower uh, uh, grow a florist but uh, it, it's a lot to you know put on one one person's shoulders absolutely and so on the topic of specialisms do you plan to specialize as a farm or are you quite happy with the kind of variety that you're offering currently that's a really good question um and I think it's 
it's going to have to kind of evolve over the years. You know, at the moment, I'm sort of trying to kind of hedge my bets slightly and kind of grow a bit of everything just in case we kind of organically. But, you know, it might be that we become, you know, actually a, a wedding business. Um, and so we'll end up growing more of kind of that stuff, you know, your roses and your delphiniums and uh, big fancy dahlias. Uh, or it might be that we actually swing completely the other way and become just, you know, um, postal bouquets. So actually the last thing you want is a cafe. Like, you know, you want lots of small headed uh, bouquet size stuff. So I think at the moment, um, the one thing I'm learning is just to be slightly kind of, you know, you know, you can, for all you, you know, you can have all the best plans in the world and have this rigid mm -hmm. business plan, but um, actually, the, in, especially in the environment we're in at the moment with uh, the the economy kind of coming down, uh, to be as versatile as possible is the best um, sort of the best option. And I've heard some sort of big businesses on the radio recently saying, actually, even huge big people at Sainsbury's and stuff, um, Tesco's need to learn to be more agile and to sort of swing towards where the market's going to be. So, yeah, so let's wait and see. You know, I think in the next few years, we'll sort of naturally find our, our course. Um, you know, actually, it might be something we've never thought of. It might suddenly become pick your own, you know, world or, you know, something might come out of the blue that we haven't thought of. But, uh, yeah, at the moment, we're sort of testing things. We've started a gift shop. Uh, so we've got an amazing range of uh, tools and floral equipment that we uh, it's all stuff that we use um, every day we we're not we don't sell anything that we don't kind of love and knows uh, really good quality so we're sort of testing the water with um, online stuff uh, gifts uh, dry stuff we're going to this year doing more workshops you know I mean, a lot of flower farms you know virtually do 90 percent workshops now you know people really want to engage with flowers and and play with flowers and do stuff you know that could be a a route to go down so at the moment i'm testing lots of different things is we're doing workshops uh yeah workshops gifts um online shop um you know still doing wholesale still doing bouquets starting to do a bit of wedding work and we'll just sort of we'll, we'll test the water in all these different places and eventually i think the business will take a kind of a natural organic um you know it'll pick its own route if you know what i mean and then from that we can really specialize what we grow to kind of fit that yeah Definitely. But I, I love the diversity you've got at the moment with that kind of, I guess it's almost finding where you most naturally sit in into what that what that offering is, where you most enjoy it and working out actually because things change so quickly. What are the customers looking for? Like say workshops have taken off so much in the last few years. Definitely something that I am keen to kind of push as a as an avenue but I think it's so important to have that diversification so that if something does go wrong you've got other other strings of your bow to fall back on yeah completely I mean part of me keeps thinking oh my goodness am I you know expanding so much into different things that um you become a master of you know jack of all trades you know <laughs> but um I think you've got to kind of have those just you know put them out there and wait for the market to come back to you and you just suddenly see what what customers want i mean you know we can have all the great ideas in the world that i'm you know i'm going to become a you know sell things in vases but if you know, people don't want flowers in vases you know that's uh you know the market's got to decide and the customers have got to really you've got to be led by the customers and led by the, the you know the, the local makeup of customers in our area so uh yeah so i'm sort of putting it all out there and seeing what what picks up best 
and uh, and then we can sort of take it from there. But it's uh, but yeah, it's a bit sort of scary because as we were talking earlier about you know your head being split, I'm now becoming trying to work out how to do retail, and you know I've never been a shopkeeper in my life and <laughs> behind the till selling um, flower frogs. So it's uh, yeah, a lot very cool. exciting though. Yeah, it's fun. You, it's you seem very excited about it, and I am. I'm thriving off the the energy of how excited oh, you are about what's to come. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I I'm. It's after. It's just. I just love it. You know, every day is different, and um, I love. Yeah, it's great fun. I've got no. You know, I mean, I, I enjoy the sitting. You know, I I'm sort of best. You know, down on the farm, headphones in weeding but I, you know so but you know that the reality is you still also got to you know do marketing and sales and yeah uh, and shift stuff so it's uh so I'm sort of no, no it's great fun it's uh it's a you know it's a really sort of it's a lifestyle um but it's also you know we're here to make money and make a living and make this you know it's only going to be sustainable if it's if it's money making so 100 uh, percent. Yeah. so I'd love to get your thoughts on how you feel about planning are you a fan of planning or do you prefer someone else to do the planning? Oh, no, no. I think I'm a big fan of planning. Do you mean uh, planning um, planning what you're planting? That sort yes. Of thing? Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a spreadsheet kind of, um, yeah. <laughs> I know. You have to, you have to sort of plan. I mean, I, I plan everything down to the, I mean, I, I plan whether it, whether the plan works is a completely different the kettle of fish, but no, you've got to kind of. You, there's no point just opening a packet of seeds and sowing seeds if a you haven't got the space. Or um, so so yeah. So we so at the beginning of the year we plan out uh, all our beds. All our beds are the same size, so it's really you know I, I'm not kind of um, you know chopping and changing. I, I know all my beds are identical sizes, um, and then we plant into three different uh, uh, size. Uh, we use landscape fabrics to plant into. And then we plant into nine inch, 12 inch or six inch holes. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, so nine inch, our beds are 12 meters long. So that's uh, 260 plants in a nine inch bed. And so I know that uh, for that bed, I need to sow, you know, to, uh, we go a little bit over, we, we, leave, we, we always sow 20 to 30% extra. Um, so I, I know I'm going to be sowing 330 340 um, plugs for that bed so when I buy the seeds I know there are you know you look you look at the seed uh, counts sometimes they've only got 25 seeds in a packet you know, <laughs> you, you know you're not just going to buy one packet you've got to really so yeah it all planning 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 all comes down to um, you know we, we we open in sort of um, March and go all the way to October and our customers have got to have a beautiful bouquet every week of the year and so you, you've got to make sure that you've got you know five six seven eight different things in bloom at every week for that whole season so that all comes down to planning um i love uh one of the things i didn't sort of i only recently clocked is you know most plants have a kind of a, a, a there's a date there's a sort of a um you know what's the, what they call it um there's a a number of days from seed sowing to flowering yeah and so I, so, I just, so I put those into spreadsheets and work backwards and okay that one needs 60 days that one needs 90 days that one needs 120 days so, okay so we're going to have anti-rhinums at this sort of patch in June right I need to sow them there so it's all uh, meticulously worked out 
and it just saves on wastage it saves on um and also we try and uh, flip beds so we uh generally try and get two crops per bed every year because i just don't have the you know the space uh it's just wasted space just to have mm -hmm. a whole bed sitting there with something slowly cooking away so we generally uh, grow everything in plugs um in the polytunnel and uh so at the moment for instance we've got a biennials in one bed and as soon as they finish in sort of may they'll be whipped out and uh, literally the next day there'll be a, a bed of you know a sort of a june july crop straight in and then that'll be cleared in september and then uh, another sort of biennials will go straight into them so we really sort of you know i think has to come down to planning uh, mm -hmm. in in terms of really optimizing um what you can get out of quite a small patch you know because uh, i just don't have the luxury of having acres and acres of you know it's expensive putting compost down and manure and stuff so uh yeah definitely planning is king <laughs> yeah so i am a, i i love planning I Good. always love planning more than a lot of other things when I was at uni. We would oh, spend yeah? so much time planning how how we were going to do the work and how much we were going to achieve every day and yeah. how we'd split that down. do the work though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was that was that was another story. But um I think that that the excel planning for me is like the backbone of making things a success because yeah. also it helps you to get to know your space and actually what what you're growing and how that's going to work overall. So like when I originally planned my beds I just kind of went oh okay I'm gonna have this many beds and I want to grow this 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 these are all the varieties and then I looked at it and was like well I can only have about 20 of each plant if I have all of these varieties in the mm. space that I've currently got working on the time scale that I'm working on that's never going to work and then you have to really sit down and think about it and work out like you say to avoid wastage to avoid you don't want to end up with a like a million seedlings and you've got nowhere for them to go yeah. and vice oh, versa you don't want to end yeah. up with a million beds with nothing yeah, to go into them because yeah. of this that and the other so i agree excel planning sheets people don't people think i'm nuts when i talk about how much i love the excel planning sheets i've even i've even my new thing now is even planning timing i've now sort of after two years i've, I've worked out that it takes you know an hour and a half to sow to plant out you know a bed so and it takes an hour to clear a bed and put new compost down. And so I've even sort of, you know, now working at time wise so that, OK, let's go to kind of, you know, big planting out time. So, you know, around May, we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of seedlings to go out. So I sort of, oh, okay, OK, we've got to, you know, fill up 20 beds. That's going to take, you know, 30 hours. OK, right. I might need to bring in a freelancer, you know, mm -hmm. need extra help around that time. And just helps plan time so you're not suddenly kind of you know bombarded with jobs in one time and uh, think okay i've got loads of stuff to do in that time what can i do ahead of it to kind of you know free up time so uh yeah time planning bed planning it's uh, excel is the best the the time planning sounds like a really good way to avoid that overwhelm i used to find at the allotment quite a lot of the time i'd look at all the jobs i had to do and i would just end up standing there being like i just cannot I oh, cannot horrible, go, this it? is what needs yeah. to be done now. <laughs> I know, it's just so overwhelming sometimes, especially in high summer, weeds everywhere. You're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but what, what if, it's, if there's stuff you can get done ahead of time, you know, uh, we were going to start, you know, I love, I one thing we always leave too late is clearing beds. So at the moment, all the annuals are still in the beds and uh, and then we like go down there with trays of new stuff. And we're like, oh no, we've got to clear it first. So, <laughs> We're going to try and get that done in the next couple of weeks. And so there's lots of 
beds that are ready ready to go yeah I know. so talk to me about how you prepare your beds and what kind of principles you follow with setting up your farm with compost you use etc oh my goodness this is still i find it still the hardest thing to 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 get my head around so mm. we follow um a no dig principle um i'm really passionate about soil health and uh we sort of um I've tested, you know, various different beds and I, you know, I've, I've also read a lot about it. So, yes, yeah, so we we are very pro soil health, uh, pro um, keeping the soil structure together. Um, and so we try and minimise uh, tillage, uh, minimise any sort of um, digging over the soil. So uh, the, we've tried lots of different things. We tried using a turf cutter to. So, you know, one of the things is, you know, actually on, you know, when you're up over kind of we, we've got. I don't know, you know, quite a lot of beds, and that's a lot of cardboard. That's a lot of yeah. manure. It, it, it gets really expensive. So we've tried different things. So we've tried using a turf cutter to cut the turf off and put compost directly on the soil. That was okay, but it basically chopped uh, perennial weeds in half, and they all just came. We so we ended up with a lot of docks and stuff coming back up through. We tried using a mini digger to scrape. Um, you know dig a kind of trench and then add stuff to that but it's a real shame because actually the top layer of soil is often the kind of the best um and so now we've sort of fallen back to the kind of classic cardboard uh model so we our field used to be a horse paddock uh so it's grass so we start by putting cardboard down we actually sometimes buy in uh used card there's a, a website it's kind of like reusedboxes.com or something and uh it just saves time and kind of going hunting around um uh hunting around uh boxes and we found our best piece of card is so when you get a pallet uh to keep a, if you're putting something clean on a pallet they get these things called pallet toppers which okay. is basically a massive square of card it's like a meter a meter square piece of cardboard and that sits on the pallet and then you can put your duvets or whatever uh, on top of it and it just keeps the the, the items clean and so this this website sells uh, used um, pallet toppers. Uh, they're about ten p each or something. I mean, it still costs a couple of hundred quid to do a lot, but they're mm -hmm. the perfect size. They're exactly the right width for our beds. We just sort of lie them slightly overlapping, and it is it is it's quick as quick. Um, and then we put on top of it. I mean, you know, the whole no dig world. Uh, different people do it in different ways. Um, we've tried um, using digestate, you know, digestate. Yeah. Uh, we've tried that. We've tried mushroom compost. Uh, we've tried green waste, um, you know, from the council. I'm, I'm, I don't like green waste. I think there's some sort of dodgy stuff with it. You know, you, you get a, um, so I'm trying to avoid green waste at the moment. So our current, our current kind of favorite is um, mushroom compost mixed with topsoil. So mm -hmm. we uh, we um, we either blend it ourselves or get the the, the soil people to blend it, and because uh, actually mushroom compost or digestate or um, anything like uh, manure is actually really rich and too too you'd have to leave it for a few years or, or quite a while to settle. But if you want to plant into it straight away, you need to really balance those salts and have something that's not too pokey. So um, so yes, yeah, so we've been making these kind of mad mixes. Of sort of um, leftover compost, topsoil, mushroom compost, and then sometimes we um, we do just if we do put down digestate onto an annual bed, 
um, it's it we find it burns um, the plants a little bit. It's just a bit too hot, so we just lightly rake it in. So it's we're not we're not um, tilling it in. We're not sort mm -hmm. of uh, uh, plowing it in. We're just sort of tickling it into the top uh, layer of uh, of soil. Um, and I think you know a little bit of a little bit of, sort of turning over that just that top inch is absolutely fine. I don't think that affects soil health. So yeah, so we're no dig. Uh, but we're still, it's just so expensive. You know, most most um, of these manures and stuff, uh, compost, they're 45 pound a square meter, a cubic meter. And it's just, you know, on scale, that's really expensive. So um, I, I'd love, I'm still trying to find a, affordable solutions uh, to kind of the no dig principle. Yeah. Me Are too. you doing no dig? <laughs> yes, I am. Again, very similar to you with the cardboard and topping it with. I've got um, like a local compost supplier mm. that is supplying, but I haven't looked at the mushroom compost option. So I'm going to have a little research yeah. on that. You've got to be careful. Some mushroom composts are made with peat. Um, mm -hmm. They use peat as part of the process of growing the mushrooms. But um, but the be benefit of like mushroom compost or digestate is that it's all been, um, what's the word? It's been sort of steamed. It's been, it's completely clean of any, um, you know, dodgy stuff. So um, there's a proper word for that. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, yeah. The cardboard, though, is um, every single time I drive to the farm, my car is filled to the brim with cardboard. And I've got like a bike shop that's playing with cardboard. There's a, a tractor. They're, they're like an agricultural machinery type oh, yeah, company. Big boxes. Services. Brilliant. Yeah. And then sometimes I get the boxes that are like the ride or mowers. And oh, then I the put best, the box on they? the farm and I think they, they are. They're really thick as well. But. Sometimes I look at them and I think, oh, imagine I had a little ride on mower instead of just the box for it. Yeah, exactly. One day it'll come with it. But yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I, mean, I love boxes, but you know, you're spending forever getting staples out of them and sellotape and um, yeah. yeah. But no, it's it's so satisfying. You can within like an hour have a bed. <laughs> it's really fun, isn't it? You suddenly have a patch of grass, and then an hour later you've got a really usable bed. Uh, definitely and i think it's exciting as well because you know it's only going to get better year after year like i know no dig beds aren't they're not like an instant the first year you do them they're going to be the best they're ever going to be but having done it on the allotment for four years now i'm i can really see the difference between the beds that were done last year and the beds that are two three years old mm, completely and I just can't wait to get to that point on the farm where it's kind of you can really see the hard work paying off. And then it's it's less maintenance ongoing, isn't it? It might be quite physical to get it set up initially. For yeah. me, I'm hand wheelbarrowing barrows of compost from one end of the field to the other to set up the beds. But it's just kind of like a one time. That's the initial setup. And then we'll yeah. go from there. You need to ride on mower with a big trailer. Yeah, we do have a dumper truck at the... Um, at the farm and it was on my field for a little while but I never quite got around to using it but I'm I'm tempted to bring the dumper truck back down or oh, the digger because there's a digger trucks, at the farm as well dumper trucks are the best we've had dumper trucks you can sell yeah. instant within you know five minutes you'll have a bed but uh, yeah. yeah no you're right it's 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 a lot of effort but I mean even we two years in some of our beds are so healthy and you know they clearly have topsoil is somehow the worms have worked the you know mixed it all together and uh you know, I mean, I was just weeding, I was weeding a bed last week that even like eight months ago was cardboard on top of grass and I could still, you know, like, you know, there's just no sign of grass, no sign of cardboard. It's all just vanished into a lovely loamy 
goodness so yay uh, yeah so no it's it's magic but uh it's yeah I just sort of the, the whole you know greenway stuff scares me you know the idea me too. of putting in thousands of pounds of this stuff that could be really toxic and uh yeah and, so uh but um yeah I I think we need to find a we need to be yeah, we need to find a better solution to Definitely, because there must be a better solution. I was going to ask, do you make your own compost at all? I know that it's so hard to make it in enough of a quantity of what you'd need, but do you still make some some of your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got a shredder. Uh, we call her Shirley the Shredder. And um, every, when we can remember, most of our stuff, we um, all our green waste, uh, all our you know plant matter, flowers, everything goes through the shredder. So we're trying to get it into a, a smaller form as possible. Uh, but yeah. Even if we clear all our beds, uh, we only end up with about four or five cubic meters of oh, wow. compost. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a two acres of you know waste comes down to the tiniest little amount. Mm-hmm. It's really insignificant. It's enough for about one one bed. <laughs> yeah. Still something though, right? It's still something. <laughs> oh my goodness! And you know what? It's going to be the best stuff. It's going to have all the same microorganisms, the same uh, fungal as the soil it, it's all sort of symbiotic so it's going to kind of uh be the yeah lovely stuff so we sort of sometimes mix it in with um a potting compost but it's still full of weed seeds and stuff i always mm-hmm. get annoyed at how many you know, grass seeds and stuff go <laughs> it. But, uh, but yeah no it's lovely making your own stuff and, uh, and so digging it out and this lovely brown goodness comes in it and uh and <laughs> sniff it yeah it's when you nice. feel it through your fingers and it's just the most wonderful oh my texture. Goodness, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And I often find a pair of secateurs or like a hammer or something. So <laughs> threw in there. Oh, that's where that is. So, yeah. No, so uh, with- compost is... Yeah, one day. I mean, it'd be amazing to try and make your own enough compost. I think that the real secret into it is actually planning ahead, like um, getting a good relationship with a wood surgeon and, you know, just having kind of huge heaps of wood chip and um you know manure you know horse manure and cow manure and then leaving it for like two three years you know then you'll sort of know you've got you know that's i think that's the sort of the 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 the, the, the best way to do it is really to start planning ahead and uh, which i haven't done but i, I need to do yeah you're only a few years in so you know you have you would have had well, to have had that brainwave when before you started <laughs> to totally, be ready for totally, it now yeah. Yeah, so I think, but that's what, what when I get my head around it, I want a, some, some big bays, you know, big wooden bays, and just sort of buy in some raw materials and basically sort of leave it cooking away for a while. Mm-hmm. Wood chip, I think, is fantastic. We have a huge, we have a mound of it at the allotment that's probably it's bigger than one of our large allotment plots. So it's at least wow. 180 square meters, yeah. and tree surgeons come and drop off to it every week so it's constantly you've got fresh chip but oh, if you perfect. dig down into the middle it's been mm-hmm. there for years so I've been on that allotment for four years and that heap was probably half the size four years ago but if you really dig down there's some really great stuff but you can get all of the different layers so like the fresh wood chips great for paths you dig slightly yeah. deeper and it's good for mulch and then you dig deeper yeah. and it is actually really good compost so yeah yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. No, definitely. It's um, yeah. I mean, even just on paths, it's amazing because it's also feeding the soil. You know, you're still making it's a it's a sort of a, a subtle way of still feeding all the microorganisms under it, and that's going to benefit the beds either side. Definitely. Yeah, no, wood uh, tree surgeons need to be a flower farmer's 
best friend. Best friend. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, so we're flitting around a little bit here because we've gone from compost, but I'd love to talk more about the kind of customers you have and your subscription segment of the business. Yeah, so we um, we sort of primarily have kind of half and half. So about 50% of our customers are um, sort of okay customers. Um, you know, within that 50%, then half again are subscription customers. So they just want a really lovely bunch every week. And they all love it. They all say, you know, literally no two weeks are the same. Um, one lady before, one lady said she had, um, you know, another well, let's name it freddie's flowers and other things <laughs> like that and she said you know generally they were always the same it was the sort of same stuff just week after week after week there was no sort of you know even in the middle of november or something it was still white and green flowers um whereas you know we we, we start the year with sort of you know brightly colored tulips and daffodils and then you sort of ebb into may everything gets very pastely and light and then so june it's pastels and purples july august starts getting hotter yellows you know just and then you sort of end up into autumn with really sort of hot fiery colors and so you've got you every week you're sort of the the, the, the shapes the forms the colors are all changing so um yeah so we've got kind of uh yeah half of flowers go uh, directly to customers uh, and then the other half goes to um uh, wholesale and that tends to be mainly event um, uh, florists. Uh, we don't really sort of, you know, there's no local wedding, no no local florist shops for anything. It's mainly mm -hmm. for weddings and events. Uh, so yeah, and um, and then yeah, within our bouquets, it's 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 um, subscription customers, and then lots of just birthdays and uh, wedding anniversaries, and we love seeing writing the cards. So you, people, you know, order online. And then we write out, handwrite all the messages. And it's just lovely seeing, you know, so many, the joy that flowers bring for, you know, birthdays and wedding anniversaries and the sorrow of, you know, uh, sort of condolence flowers mm -hmm. and uh, funeral flowers and stuff. But, um, but yeah, pretty much that's kind of where we uh, sit. We do a little bit of um, click and collect wedding stuff. So mm -hmm. you, um, you come to us and we can do your, um, uh, the bouquets and the buttonholes and uh, some sort of table centers that uh, we put them in a vase. You come and pick them up and keep the vase. You know, we, we never sort of have to go back again. So um, that's, we sort of do, you know, one or two of those a month in the summer. And that's quite nice. It's, uh, but we're quite, uh, quite uh, you, you know, if you're getting flowers from us for a wedding, you have to kind of go with what we've got. You know, yeah. you can have a steer from like, you can have that white pastels or brights and that's it, you know. You, you can't kind of give us any other uh, direction from them so you have to trust us but you know we'll always we'll go down there the morning of you know the the, the morning of picking we'll look around we'll find what's most beautiful what's freshest and we'll, we'll create something really unique that you know only you will ever kind of have but uh yeah it takes a bit of trust to sort of trust us to, to to you know find something that you like so uh but yeah that's only a small part of the business our main our main real core is bouquets and wholesale really i think that there's something so brilliant about that though in that when you're a bride or someone looking for flowers you don't necessarily have the most extensive knowledge of flowers so you end up going to the typical like roses tulips the kind of real typical Gips things that you see yeah that you see yeah. in the supermarkets and in the garages whereas yeah actually having the pure seasonal what is looking its best right now is that kind of 
one day from the next might be something completely different because tomorrow some of those flowers might not still be there or they might not have quite opened enough one day and then the next day they're perfect so I just think it's that it's complete like you say completely unique and with the growing with the seasons I think so many people don't know anything about what is actually seasonal to us uh, and so they wouldn't be able to make that informed decision because they don't they don't know what is about at that time of year. So totally, it's but I mean, more I, beautiful it, to do it that way. Oh, completely. But I think you know I appreciate it that as a you know when you're getting married, you want everything to be perfect. You've you know you you, you it becomes this sort of you know this this um, fishbowl world where you just want everything to be absolutely spot on. You want the paint, the the cards, the stationery, the clothes. That everything's got to be exactly. You know, and and so many people, even as a, a bloke, uh, you know, I I sort of thought about my wedding for years before I even got married. I was like, oh, I want to have this, I want to have this car, and I want to have this tie. And you have all these dreams that kind of condense down. So there is a sense of kind of wanting to control it and wanting to have, you know, real sort of, um, yeah, want to make sure everything is perfect and controlled. So it is quite terrifying letting someone just sort of <laughs> free reign. But some people love it. Some people are like, look, I'm just you know I'm so busy planning the food and everything else I love the fact that you can just take yeah. the flowers um off our hands so uh yeah and I actually you know the fact that we're not having to come to this not having to come to the um location to collect vases or pick stuff up the next day means we can sort of really bring our costs down so um yeah everything that you we we make it all on the Thursday you come and pick it up on the Friday and then it's it's yours to do what you want so uh we also do loads Loads of DIY weddings, you know, there's a real people just love coming and buying buckets of flowers and having fun with their family and, and doing stuff themselves or or combining it with stuff from their parents' garden. You know, my mum's going to bring in this and I'm getting rosemary from my nan's garden. And, you know, I love hearing the stories of sort of people, you know, doing this at the more the DIY thing and doing it themselves. I think that's a real, um, I think it's lovely. I, should, I, should, I wish I'd done that for our wedding. I was going to ask, do you remember what flowers you had for your wedding? Oh, my goodness. They were hideous. Well, not hideous. <laughs> uh, they were. Uh, so we got married in the winter. We got married in December in uh, a long time ago, 17 years ago, when I was like, I was a teenager. Uh, <laughs> we had uh, uh, gerberas, um, which, oh, I can't stand them now. But, uh, you know, the time, <laughs> we need that. Yeah, at the time, you know, it was December. They were kind of maroon. They were sort of, you know, Christmassy colours. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if I got to do it again, I would uh, do it completely differently, far more seasonally. And uh, yeah, no. You did. You didn't know as much as you know about flowers now. I knew nothing at the time. No, no, and I don't think as a bloke, I don't think I had a say. I think yeah, was, I don't think I even knew before the day. I was just told. To <laughs> yeah. So. so. Uh, we won't go specific varieties, but can you share some of your kind of must-have flowers for the farm? The ones that really that really do you a lot of favors all year and kind of really pack a punch. The ones you yeah. wouldn't be without. So I think um, going through the seasons, you know, I think that the one of the things that is really hard in the early season, you know, we with foliage, you know, uh, during the um, during the summer. And um, autumn, we use a lot of herbs uh, instead of, you know, way, way as the greenery. And mint is one of my absolute um, favourites. So in the summer, we use loads of apple mint, uh, oregano, um, that sort of thing, uh, uh, lemon balm um, as as kind of the greenery. 
Um, but you really struggle in uh, spring uh, for that. So we use a lot of euphorbias because mm-hmm. uh, they're actually, they, they green up a lot earlier than, so euphorbia oblongata is, is the, the sappy one, uh, but um, is a really, really love, a lovely uh, greeny foliage when there's just nothing else around, unless you have a, a you know, a paddock of, um, a grove, I should say, a grove of, um, you know, eucalyptus and pinosporum and stuff. You know, uh, as, a, as a sort of a new farmer, you have to rely on, you know, uh, greenery that's an annual or a perennial. But yeah, euphorbia early on with your um, with your daffodils and tulips is a real uh, crucial one. And then in that kind of there's a, a middle period, May June time. There's a lot of crossover between annuals, and you can uh, sometimes miss an annual crop, you know, just because of the weather. And so I'm a huge fan of uh, um, perennials around that time, uh, and so strantias. Uh, uh, lithrum you know lysimachias there's just you know I, I'm really big fan of perennials um, for that time of year especially also because they don't need the effort of you know sowing and so you know the uh, the work that goes into sowing seeds the amount of energy it takes to sowing seeds of kind of you know compost and blah 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 you know perennials are real good from a sort of sustainability point of view mm. um, uh, perennials are a real stalwart to the farm they just cook away slowly. They're they're busy locking in carbon in their roots. You're not having to sort of muck about with them. Uh, so yeah. So I I mean I I well, at the moment we're about half our farmers perennial crop, and you know it's a that's big... amazing, especially for so early on in the yeah. In the I mean I've sort of you know a lot of money's gone into it. Mm. And when you see them kind of die because of frost, you're like oh no. But uh, you know try and try and build up that. Um, investment in perennials because they'll just fill those gaps so last year we had a bit of a seed sowing issue we we um bought what we thought was you know the rolls royce of seed composts and it was completely rubbish so we had a, a sort of a big gap in june we had like hardly any annuals because of this seed sowing problem and so just the perennials were just cooking away in the background and they sort of saved our bacon really they were absolutely incredible to you know if they if we hadn't had them we would have been flower farm with no flowers so um yeah and then we come through to um sort of early autumn or has to be dahlias you know in every shape and form just dahlias yeah. everywhere but also matched with you know uh, rebecca zinnias i love sunflowers and uh we're trying to grow some really exciting new sunflowers this year uh especially because we mainly do bouquets I'm looking for smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking for ones that are kind of, you know, smaller than the size of my palm, you know, so so we're looking for little varieties. And we're also pr- trying things out where you, you pinch them out. And the more you pinch out a sunflower, the more little uh, flowers you get. So, so uh, yeah, big fan of hot, sort of zingy, uh, dahlias, sunflowers, rebecca's, zinnias at that kind of later period. But, um, yeah. I feel I mean, relieved to have have the seeds prepared for so many of the things that you have said oh, in that good. list. <laughs> well done. So, but uh, yeah, the, then then it comes down to um, just sowing them. Not don't don't sow them all in one go. You know, little and often we sow yeah. five. Most things we sow five batches of now. Uh, so because it's um, yeah, otherwise you end up with a million sunflowers in the first week of August and then nothing at the end of September. So. Uh, so lots of little small batches and it just makes everything easier to handle as well definitely again avoiding that overwhelm of having to do everything at once and then having to harvest everything at once 
Exactly. So it's 20 minutes of sowing a week and then, you know, a little bit of planting out. And it's just this, just lo lots of little and often. Yeah. So I'd love to hear about, before we finish, the kind of jobs you've got for the next few weeks. We're in the lead up to Valentine's Day. So when this comes out, it'll probably be about Valentine's Day. What's on your kind of job list for this time of year? Yeah, so we are so busy at the moment. We have got our three big areas. Uh, we are down the farm. We are cl still clearing beds, weeding all the perennial beds. They've sort of over winter have got loads of, sort of weeds in them. So lots and lots of um, weeding and prepping beds for annuals and uh, and just working out what's dead and what's alive and making <laughs> lists of things to kind of uh, buy to fill up. So so on sunny sunny sort of warm dry days we're down the field um uh we've still got uh in the in the kind of polytunnels we've got uh loads of um we're starting our seed sowing uh we're starting our kind of early seeds now um anything that's going to sort of take ages to germinate um and and so we're starting our seeds we're starting the last batch of uh corms so anything like a sort of a, um uh, Ranunculus. thank you. And anemones, <laughs> uh, we're going to do our final batch of those. Um, and then we sell lots of bulbs in pots, uh, mm -hmm. hyacinths and uh, some uh, daffodils and stuff in pots. And so we did a batch for Christmas and we're going to start sowing, uh, planting out soon our kind of Easter batch. Um, and then we're just, we, this year, we're, last year, we... Uh, Last year we we were selling uh, Cornish grown um, sort of forced flowers during the winter. We carried on as a kind of floristry shop really throughout the winter. Uh, it didn't sit with me, you know. Loads of people now have tulips, but they're all grown in um, you know great big greenhouses with heat and water, uh, heat and light and stuff. It's you know tulips in February are not seasonal, and so we're trying to be as kind of really as seasonal and just embracing the beauty of what is around at the moment. So last year's Valentine's bouquet had uh, all, it was 100% British, but it had tulips and ranunculus and stuff. It had stuff that wouldn't naturally grow in your garden. So this year for Valentine's Day, we've got a local potter who's made some gorgeous little mini cream coloured um, um, uh, ceramic pots. And we're going to be planting that up with um, uh, snowdrops. Oh. So, um, if you hear this before Valentine's Day, uh, come and grab a pot of snowdrops for your loved one. And uh, we've got loads of dried flowers. So it's really this time of year. It's just just enjoying what's what's uh, bulbs and pots, dried stuff. I think that and, and trying to be as sort of seasonal as possible. Yeah. And we didn't get a chance to talk about the dried stuff, but I think that it's, again, something where people are getting really excited about the potential of dried flowers. The fact that they last that little bit longer. So if you can't afford to necessarily have flowers every week or every couple of weeks, actually a dried flower bouquet. There are so many beautiful it's ones. Amazing. Just, this year we dried dahlias for the first time. Oh, wow. Um, they're incredible. They're, they have a completely different characteristic and they're just delicate and papery. And I, I'm a big fan. I know a lot of people, they sort of have, um, you know, a lot of people in the, who are, you know, around in the 70s and 80s have a bit of a hang up about them. But I think oh, dried flowers are incredible. I think it's yeah. the same with dahlias and the dahlias came back over the past few years and dried flowers kind of fell out of fashion. It was all a bit like old fashioned. Yeah, yeah but same. now it yeah. now it's coming back and I love it. I mean, there are probably at least three or four dried flower arrangements in this room alone. I've got nice. a hanging up on the yeah. wall. Oh, and lovely. I just think it's a nice way to kind of keep that colour 
for me, I'm not yeah. at home very often. So when I have when I buy other flowers, it feels like a bit of a waste one because I grow my own and I should just wait until my own season. But yeah. because I'm not actually here to enjoy them a lot of the time, half the time they're dead before the next time I'm actually yeah. sitting down and getting to see them. So for me, the dried flowers really, really work with my lifestyle. So big, big, big fan. Yeah, no, dried flowers. I know as a grower, you've really got to think about that. You know, suddenly you've got to be picking stuff in August. You know, it feels so counterintuitive to be picking for dried but you that's something you've got to be thinking about in your seed planning and uh but yeah no dried is is the way to go awesome well thank you so much for your time this morning it's been do you know what one of my favorite chats i feel very inspired and oh, like excited what? to see where you guys go over the next few years thank you well it's better beats being out in the freezing cold so it's been <laughs> lovely talking to you Shannon. I hope that you're going out to the freezing cold next. No, I'm not. I'm going to find somewhere warm to sow some seeds or something. Oh, enjoy. I am out gardening with some children this afternoon, so well, that's bad. I'll be freezing. Well, have an amazing It'll time. be fun. Thank yeah. you. Thank you Love so much. You. you made it to the end of the episode, which means you must have enjoyed it. And if you did, I'd be ever so grateful if you could head to your favourite podcasting app to give us a follow and leave us a little review, which helps to get these stories out to more amazing planty people. If you've got any questions or stories you'd like to share, find me over at Diary of a Lady Gardener on Instagram. And don't forget to head to Akai for some fabulous new outdoor wear using the code DOALG20 for 20% off your order. That's all from me this week. Happy growing! Happy growing!